Hey guys, this is Hunter Levine, and thank you for listening to the Captain's Collective Podcast. Brought to you by Skinny Water Culture, Hell's Bay Boatworks, Turtle Box Audio, Costa Sunglasses, Traeger Grills, and Orvis Fly Fishing. When most people think of Florida, their mind goes to places like Miami Beach, the Florida Everglades, and the crystal blue waters of the Keys. But Florida's much more than crowded beaches, theme parks, and white sand. For over 40 years, Captain Travis Huckabee has called the Panhandle of Florida his home. Along this stretch of pines, turtle grass flats, and little sleepy towns lies Florida's forgotten coast. In this podcast, Travis shares with us his story of growing up in the slow-paced city of East Point and how he's found a niche in guiding in places less known. In this podcast, we discuss what he learned from his years working with the Florida Fish and Wildlife Commission and how hard work has been perhaps the greatest lesson that he's come across so far. Travis also shares about guiding in Louisiana and the importance of respect to exist between guides and recreational anglers. In a fast-paced world, there's a lot to be said about places that slow you down. And as someone who has a physically demanding job, Travis has learned a lot about keeping himself in shape and away from the verge of burnout. We hope that you enjoy this podcast. Thank you for listening. This is the Captain's Collective. I'll say it's anything you choose, I think it picks you, you know, it's genetic. Let everything else stop in the world and just be quiet. And it's amazing where your mind goes at that point um, and where it doesn't go. And sometimes just that quiet space is, is what we need, and especially in this day and age. You have a fly rod in your hand. It's this tool that takes you to beautiful places. You meet hopefully wonderful people. And it's just this cherry on top of this outdoor adventure. When the fish is coming, that shot within a shot, that timer starts. No one else knew anything anyway, and you're just might definitely making it up if you're going along. But so what Grandpa and Dad would tell me is like, all right, where's the old big trout laying out there? Where's his shaving cream on the water? Where's he been shaving this morning? That's look for his shaving cream on the water, and that's where he's gonna be. All right. Well, hey, Travis, thanks so much for hanging out and uh, enjoyed getting to fish with you the other day and having some dinner tonight and just getting to know you a little bit more. And I got a long list here of things I'm excited to talk with you about uh, from Louisiana redfish to our own backyard here in the Forgotten Coast. But before we get into all that, I'd love just to hear a little bit about how you got into the outdoors and what it was like growing up right here in the booming city of East Point. East Point, Apalachicola, that's where I'm from, man. <laughs> um you know, um, when I was young, this uh, hustle and bustle didn't exist. So it was, it was real laid back, um, an easy lifestyle. The town of Apalachicola, you know, is really grown up, and it's it's impressive now. You know, it's got a cool vibe. But most of those places down there didn't didn't even exist. I mean, the buildings were there, but they were just ran down, dilapidated. So I grew up in Apalachicola, and um, I grew up on the bay, but mainly not what you would think about tarpon fishing and stuff like I do now, but, uh, at night floundering yeah. gigging with my dad. So I slept a many a night at his feet, you know, while he was up there working, I was asleep. It's best sleep of my life, you know, <laughs> sleeping on the boat. So that's what I, I learned how to run the bay mainly at night. And, um, that's what we did. And then we freshwater fish. So I didn't even saltwater fish until 
I got out of high school hanging out with some buddies from Carabell that had moved in here and um Coble Griffin Griffin and he's a captain over in St. George Island and him and his brother Todd kind of got me into fishing and stuff and uh nobody really did much trout fishing like on highway 98 now mm-hmm. like you see people wading everywhere yeah so they kind of got me into that and we would wade fish and 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 then they got me into offshore fishing and that's how i got into god yeah starting out with offshore fish what type of offshore fishing would you guys do? i just we mainly just bottom fish so yeah. you know grouper mackerel um snapper and stuff like that and yeah. that, that got me pumped i'm you know i'm, I'm catching brim you know or gigging a flounder but yeah know, lived here all my life and never went offshore fishing until i was a teen you know graduated yeah it's funny because me and josh were talking about that the other day because uh we we were out over near um some of the some of the areas we used to fish in high school but when we were in high school we'd go fish rock bass and right. we thought we were the kings or y'all we were, were doing cool, them, yeah y'all doing know? some cool stuff you yeah. know i didn't get to do that yeah but we were doing rock bass and i remember passing people red fishing or in skiss and we'd be like laughing at them be like, what are they doing man we're getting a Go crush these. But, you know, there's so much, I think, in our area, there's just so much that you can do and get yeah. into, you know, from the fresh water to floundering at night. I did that some in high school. Right, dad. right. Um, for you, like, what was the first thing in the outdoors that you really took to? So, you know, I would say the the first thing I, was hunting, you know, going up the river, hunting with my dad, like shooting squirrel and stuff. He wasn't a, a deer hunter. But now... I, now he's kind of into deer hunting and stuff in his age, but my brother got him kind of into that. So we mainly went up the river. I did a lot of stuff up the river. That's what we were, in Apalachicola, we did a lot of. You know, I, I, nowadays, you, you you guys growing up and, and, and seeing, having all this fishing going on, that just didn't exist, the tarpon stuff and the red fishing. I mean, there were guides, bay guides, mm-hmm. and I seen them, but you just didn't, I didn't think about doing that stuff. Mm-hmm. I was surfing or or, you know, going to the beach or going up the river. I didn't so you know what I mean? So up the river was really what I did mostly. Yeah. And you're saying when you were a kid, I mean, Apalachicola is an incredible city, lots of culture, lots of great food. East Point has some great things going on also, Yes, you know, but it's hard for me to even imagine it being smaller than what it is. What was it like growing up with it being even even more, I guess, to use your words, hustle and bustle. Yeah. That's not, I think not a lot of people drive through East Point and Apalachicola and think, whoo, the hustle and well, bustle. Well, yeah, <laughs> so it's busy for us, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, the guys in Tallahassee, they, you know what I mean, they were used to a city life. So it was all a working waterfront. There was, you know, most of those places ran down, but on the water, there were shrimp boats everywhere, Carabelle shrimp boats everywhere, and now it's all condos. So Apalachicola, oyster houses and shrimp houses, so it was all a working waterfront, knew all about that, but it wasn't a year-round mm-hmm. um, um, tourist attraction like it is now. I mean, Apalachicola and stuff stays busy year-round now. Yeah. So, you know, that that's the difference, you know. It was, you could run around and not get in trouble. Yeah. You know, now, you know, you got you got more eyes watching you, you know. Yeah. But it's a cool place. They got a lot of cool vibes down there to me now. And. And so you eventually, you know, you graduate high school and then eventually I know you ended up working for the Florida Fish and Wildlife Commission. Yes. What was that? How did you get into that? So I was, I started guiding, like I said, my buddies kind of got me into fishing and I jumped into the guiding thing pretty quick, you know, not really knowing what I was doing. I got a boat and I said, oh, you know, I, I learned some spots offshore. What, and I what just, type of boat did you have? 
Um, I started out with, it was called a Southwestern, which I think is a Parker now. So it's okay. 26 foot, like a, it looks just like a Parker. I think that Southwestern got bought out by them. So I, I bought it from my buddy's dad, uh, Coble's dad, and um, and fixed it up and started offshore fishing. But um, that's what, so I started offshore fishing, kept my boat at uh, Marina, Scipio Creek Marina, and um, had some officers there, seen them all the time, and they kind of recruited me. Yeah, to go to the fish and wildlife. Yeah, so you know, you you what what all did you do there? You're a field officer. Yeah, I was just a field officer. That was that was my gig. I never really wanted to promote to do the Paperwork. office type stuff, man. <laughs> I, I I'm a competitive person. I just you know I um I woke up every day. Um, didn't get into checking fishing license. None of that stuff. I was wanting to get the guy that he woke up saying, you know, what can I go do to break the law today? You know, that's, so that's kind of what I. That was my niche. Yeah, and we talked about that when we were out on the water together. Like, you know, the guys who are really, really taking a toll on the fishery. Because the guy who goes out and their license expired a week. I mean, I understand those guys got a job to do. Yeah. But the guy who wakes up at 1 a.m. in the morning to go check a gill net. That was the guy I was after. Yeah. I did a lot of um, commercial stuff. Um and that, you know, and then when deer season came around, you know, I did all the hunting and the I'm sure that know. made you a lot of friends. Yeah. Um I will say this, you know, nobody ever like tacked my driveway or poured water in my fuel tank. I just treated them with respect. You know, mm-hmm. I um day one most of the nights, if you want to call it a competition. But when I would catch them, you know, I treated them with respect. I didn't rub it in and um Half the time they'd have you laughing, you know, by the time the stop got done, you know, and you wrote tickets or whatever you did. So, um, I just tried to treat them with respect just, and they would respect you, you know? Yeah. Any, any, um, things about working in the Florida Fish and Wildlife Commission before really diving into full-time guiding that you feel like shaped you or helped you as a guide? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, it, it gave me a different work worth ethic. You know, so when I, I was I always worked hard, was, you know, raised to work hard. But it, going to that academy was like a, it was a paramilitary academy. So it had me, you know, just really focused on working hard, showing up on time. And um, and then, you know, just learning the area even more. Even though I grew up here, it, it expanded my, my knowledge of the area. Sure. So Yeah, and, and for you, like, so you know, you grow up as a kid, you're doing freshwater fishing and you're floundering. So you're not really doing the redfish thing that you're known for today or the tarpon fish. Right. And then you get into the deep sea, which I mean, that's, you know, you only have to go deep sea fishing one time to get what the draw is. Yeah. yeah. But then eventually you end up getting introduced to flats fishing. How did, how did you get introduced to flats, flats fishing? Was it during Um, FWC? Yeah. So FWC, I was, I was offshore fishing, you know, got recruited and then I had friends that were already guiding on the flats for tarpon and reds, and um, it got to be too hard to go offshore and then come to work at night. So I um, bought a flats boat, sold my big boat, and um, started working for a local guide agency here. And they would send me trips and just started, you know, pulling a skiff, you know what I mean? And and it was cool. I mean, there were so many red fish. It was, it was before everybody had kayaks and trolling motors. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the fish were not beat on as much as they are now. Mm-hmm. So, um, it was, it, you know, and I handled a lot of those trips, those redfish trips, and why they were all tarpon fishing. I didn't even, man, when I was a kid, I didn't even know what a tarpon was, you know. Yeah. We didn't, nobody knew about tarpon. 
that I know of, you know. Yeah. And around what time was that? Like, so the timeline of you, FWC to... Yeah, I started in 2001. So it's probably 03, 04 when I really started, like, you know, pulling a boat, got a skiff and started pulling a boat and learning the redfish stuff. Yeah. Fly fishing a little bit and stuff. Yeah, and I feel like, you know, a lot of the guys who... I even know somebody right now who is young and he's like, he's trying to decide, do I want to go into guiding? Do I want to go into FWC? I think there's a lot of people that they hit that crossroad. You know, a yeah. lot of guys in FWC who would love to guide. A lot of guides yeah, yeah. would love to be in FWC. You know, yeah, so, yeah. I mean, tell me about for you, um, you know, it seems like a pretty big transition to go from a government job, consistent pay, pension, benefits into the into the unknown Right. Uh, to quote the the kids movie Frozen, you know, <laughs> you, you, know I, you know I'm a dad. I do know but, that. But uh, you know, into that, you know, that's a pretty big leap because, you know, you, you'll talk to someone who's like 22 and they're like, "I'm making a leap," and you're like, "You ain't making a leap until you got a lot on the, the line." Yeah. So tell me about that for you. So you know, it was it I, I, when I started guiding, I still had another job that I did. So you know, I always had a backup, you know, mm-hmm. so I didn't, if I didn't get to take a trip, you know, I still had a job. I still had a paycheck coming. And then with FWC, luckily when I came on that they would still let officers guide. Mm-hmm. So now, you know, if you come on, they're not going to let you guide. So you're going to have to find another job. And with the law enforcement in general, you're usually going to be working another job that just, you don't make any money. Yeah. So taking that leap was a they had like grandfathered me in, so to speak. So I knew it, you know, coming back to law enforcement, I couldn't come back to FWC, you know, if I did come back, you know, and, and failed, you know, in full-time yeah. guidance. So it was, it was a tough deal. What, you know, the, the benefits are really what hold you, you know, that insurance, yeah. you know what I mean? Not having that, but, um, it was something I wrestled with, but it was something then that I couldn't physically do anymore as far as go mm-hmm. be fishing and working for FWC. It just, I just plumb got exhausted and burned out of it. Yeah. So it was a hard choice, but yet not, you know. And you were saying you would you would work FWC at night, so you're looking for gill nets, you're looking for people spotlighting deer. Right. And then during the day, you're pulling a flat skiff around. I mean, yeah, very little sleep in the summer. Yeah. And, you know, yeah, a lot of police officers work other jobs, but there's a big difference between working security at a diamond store or like oh, yeah. directing traffic <laughs> at a church yeah, and sure. pulling a skiff around in 98-degree yeah. weather. Yeah, when I first started, the, the, I, I went into it slow. So when I first started uh, pulling the skiff around, you know, and doing the redfish, I did a little half days. So that wasn't a big deal. But then once I started really doing tarpon and all that, man, that's such a beat down on your body. I mean, I'm a mm-hmm. pretty big guy, so it, you know, it, like I was telling you all earlier, I'm just too heavy, man. It just wears <laughs> me out, you know. So, um you know, it's, that was hard, you know, the, the, yeah. the, just day in and day out. And I did it for years. Now during the summer is when my beat down, if you want to call it what took place. But in the winter time, I didn't got as much. So I got a rest there, did a lot of the night hunting mm-hmm. and all that and the gill netting and all that stuff. But the summer times were tough, man. Mm-hmm. It was a tough deal. What advice would you give to somebody who is trying to start guiding, but also having to, you know, because it's, you say like, you know, a lot of police officers have to work a second job. Yeah. But a lot of guides, when they start, have to work a second job. Yeah, you know, I would. Yeah, I would. I'd definitely say, you know, if you're going to guide, then you, and start off. I mean, man, nowadays there's there's so it's so much easier because mm-hmm. people have um, generated enough business to give you trips. 
you know, so there's a lot of guides now. Um, there was a, quite a few when I started, but now it just seems like you can start a business pretty quick. Um, mm -hmm. And especially with traveling. I mean, if you go out of state, what like I do, then they need more guides, you know. Mm -hmm. But um, I would say, you know, if you if you want to stay home and guide, then you definitely, you know, take it slow and, um, you know, have a sec have your first job and have that as your second job mm -hmm. until you can start, f you know, flowing with it a little better. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And get and build up that confidence to say, all right, I can do this. It is a step because I'm, yeah. you know. So, and you talked about FWC helping you learn work ethic. Mm -hmm. When you look at when you look back at your life when you were working the two jobs and you were really establishing yourself as a guide and you were learning the fishery, w what types of things do you feel like were really important lessons you had to learn out the gate in that season of life? So you know, just as a guide, you know, doing what I was doing. Um, taking it easy is like, you know, not being too aggressive, mm -hmm. um, with, you know, going into an area, any area I go into that's new, there's always somebody that knows it better than you and already mm -hmm. somebody there. Um, there's really no new places. Yeah. So I would, I would, I would take it slow like that, you know, um, and not just, you know, I, I would want to learn the etiquette, Yeah. you know, of the area. And, and if somebody will show you that, you know, and with these these podcasts that you're doing i mean i've been listening to them and 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 people are trying to teach a little etiquette you know mm -hmm. but if and the, and the guides themselves need to be respectful and teach people in a calm way instead of yelling and all that you may get into a confrontation yeah but i mean i may be going running chasing a, i may be chasing <laughs> a, a rabbit tail here i'm just saying you know if you're yeah if you're going to enter the guide scene you know and you and and enter it the proper way then you know if you can learn the etiquette and yeah that's just with any fishing you know but me and you talked when we were fishing the other day we talked about the balance of that where it's like on one hand you have people saying you got to learn it yourself you got to figure it out yourself then you have people saying don't mess it up and there is this sense in which you know when you learn something yourself everybody would say you got to learn through making mistakes yeah. you got to go out there you got to pull that shoreline you got to find your own numbers. You got to fill in the blank. Well, one of the interesting things with certain types of fishing is you learning it yourself equates to you making mistakes. You making mistakes equates to you pissing learn. off a lot of people. So it's kind of, in your opinion, like I feel like as somebody who's kind of, because obviously I know you because you're in the backyard and I feel like you, you, you are respectful. You, you live that out. Um, how do you find that balance though, where there's some, somebody young trying to learn it and then not let their, you know, it's kind of, I guess a balance. Cause you, well, I, I kind of get what, so, you know, here's the deal. Um, basically with this whole area and any area, um, that's a dangerous phrase, right? Yeah. There. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's over with as far as there's nothing hidden. Mm -hmm. Um, now I say that in a way, I'm sure there's a spot where there's a fish sliding over that you can lock them down and yeah. nobody know about it. But it's it's found mm -hmm. everything everything's been found. Just so I would say, you know, you're gonna make mistakes. If I can be as an older guy, see a, uh, somebody that I don't know slide up in front of me, I'm sitting on the spot. They're not sitting on the spot, but they don't know what a spot is. Yeah, they just know that there's people lined up down the shoreline. And so I'm gonna line up too. Yeah. So if I can just go up to them and say, "Hey, man, that's not a spot." this is what I'm doing. You know, mm -hmm. I'm not, I might not, I'm, 
it's better to teach somebody to how to get out of the way than yeah. you know say you're stupid leave yeah yeah so um and i guess that's kind of what i'm getting at is like and it's i mean tarpon fishing i think is the easiest one to look at but yeah we can go there i think that's sure. the that's the case with any type of fishing which is you're doing the wrong thing and i'm mad that you're doing the wrong thing but i'm also mad that you're not doing it yourself and it's kind of there's a there's a weird yeah. dance i feel so like I, yeah that. i think we're all guilty of uh running a boat and you see somebody somewhere and then you go check it out yeah um there's a lot to learn in tarpon fishing other than just fishing the spot. Yeah. So, but you'll learn that after you find a spot. Yeah. If you spend enough time in an area, then you learn how the fish, you know, move on a tide or this is, you know, or any, any type mm. of fishing. You're going to learn when, when should I sit here? When should I not? That comes with time. Um, but mainly if we can just, you know, just everybody chill out, you know, it's fishing. But now here's the deal. I mean, I'm a guide. I'm trying to get these people on fish. But if I can educate somebody in a in a calm manner, mm-hmm. you know, then maybe they won't be in my way next time. Yeah. And they may see me coming and say, "Hey, man, I know you're working. You know, slide in here." But you know, that's that's the only way I know to do. It. Now, have I gotten confrontations with people? Yeah, but it's in a different scenario. You know, yeah. where they like, okay, I did see you here. That's why I'm here before you. Mm-hmm. Then that kind of not sit it's good with you you know you're like man go yeah and i think there's something with i mean i I try to see both sides of all that and um you know people who listen to this podcast are guides and everything from serious recreational anglers to new new anglers and i think there's i think with certain types of fishing in particular you know there's only so much shoreline to pull for redfish there's only so much sand to sit over or whatever clean water fill in the blank i think it's just kind of a I think that every, you know, the, the guide's got to remember, okay, my expectation is I don't want to, I want people to figure it out for themselves. That might equate to them sitting in the wrong spot. Yeah. Well, they're trying to figure it out themselves or, but the, also for the angler to realize that guy's trying to make a living and he's trying to do the right thing. It's a, it's a dance. Yeah. And I think the more we, if, you know, talk to people, um, and, and not try to be as abrasive. I mean, I, I've done it both ways, but I think uh, if you kill them with kindness, it seems to work better. Yeah. It seems to, uh, I, if I kind of know everybody on the water, as I meet you guys, you know, mm-hmm. I hadn't known you that long, but if as, as I meet you, you may see me running and say, man, I'm on some fish and I'll see how he's doing or something. Mm-hmm. You know, you may, hey, you may, you may help me out one day. So yeah. I just think it's, um, you know, I, that's what I've always done is try to be nice. I mean, I, like I said, I've not been a jerk but i've been straightforward with people mm-hmm. um as it escalated if you could say you know what i mean yeah. but um I, i'm with you on on if they're sitting in the wrong spot i don't really want them sitting there then if i go tell them hey man you know you're sitting in the wrong spot i'm on a spot maybe sit behind me or something or yeah um because they're gonna be there it's everybody's right to fish yeah so if i, if I can educate them out of the way but educate them then they're not in my way, but yet they're learning something too. Yeah. I guess and, you could say. Yeah. And learn it, learn how to put yourself in the other person's shoes, but yeah. it's all easier said than done. It is. When you know what I mean? You're not, when you're sitting, but you know, it's just beer got silly. I mean, we're still talking about the same things. How many people on this podcast have you talked about etiquette and all that? Yeah. And I just think you're, it's just, it kind of gets silly sometimes with just, 
the attitude, you know what I mean? It's just like, yeah. dude, just be a, you're a fishing guide and he's a recreational guide. He don't know what he's doing. You know, just chill. He yeah. may leave here in a little bit, but mainly just go up there and tell them what you, in a nice way. And they may listen and now they're a jerk to you. Then you may be a jerk back. I mean, yeah. you know, it's just, but geez. <laughs> it's, it's tough, you know, I mean, it's, it's tough because I, I see both sides of it because, you know, you got the guy that you got the guy who has worked really hard all week, you know, mm-hmm. and he's finally getting his opportunity to come out mm-hmm. and he's here's his day. You know, he doesn't get to be out there every day, so uh, he's going to yeah. get out as early as possible and he's going to sit over something. And, and, you know, I see that guy's perspective and then I see the guy who is trying to make a living. And I think there's. And then there's also just, I think too, it's, you know, human nature just to try to treat each individual as a new individual and not just lump everybody together. All guides are this way, all angles are this way, you know, to actually try to get to know each other. But, and you know, I mean, we could go on and on and do it. Oh yeah. We could beat, yeah, yeah. we could definitely beat the dead horse. The main thing is, you know, is, is everybody needs to just chill. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then you know, come into it when you, when you, when somebody's in my way, I say in my way, um, then I, I just go up there and try to tell them the best I can. And if it works out, it works out. If it don't, it don't. I mean, we're, and I see both sides too. Cause as a guide, like it may have been a tough week for me as a guide. And then this is the day those fish are hitting. Yeah. And then I need that dude out of the way. So I don't, I just got to make sure I go up there and, you know, yeah, <laughs> do my thing in a nice way. Yeah. If yeah. I can. Yeah. And I think, yeah, that's the old, you can catch more flies with honey than vinegar for sure. You know? And I, I think too, it's like, there's some, I don't know what the percentage is, but I think guides who have been doing it a really long time, like they've seen when you're, it's your first year of fishing, you know, or your third or fourth year of fishing, you know, they look and they say, man, I've seen, you know, guys like you come and go for 30 years. Yeah. So they're frustrated. And then at some point, I think if you can stick around and be respectful, I think then they start to say, okay, this guy's here. So let's yeah. go ahead and teach him where the spots are and how to do it. And yeah. You know, the sad thing about this area, as I told you before, it's a big area, but a small fishery. Mm-hmm. So there's only so many spots and there's only so, and every, there's so many guides and there's, there's more guides than there ha- ha- ever has been in every, everywhere I fish. Mm-hmm. So you just got to learn to deal with it, you know, because mm-hmm. it's not going to change. It's not going in. People aren't going anywhere. It's not going to be like it used to be when you only saw a couple of people out there. Yeah. So you got to learn how to fish as a guide differently. It, mm-hmm. it bites, but it, that's just the reality of it all, man. So you can either live up tight and be just jacked up all the time or say, all right, I got to <laughs> learn how to, I got to guide different. Yeah. I mean, it, that, it, that's just what it is. Yeah. I, I think that, um, yeah, I, I agree with you on that. And, you know, we could sit here and talk all night, but we probably won't change yeah, we too beat, many. Yeah, we probably yeah. won't change too many minds. Oh, but, I mean, it is. Yeah, like, You know, like you, you were talking about our area. I think something that one of the things I want to dive into you with is, you know, we we're, we live on the Forgotten Coast. Yep. And, um, you know, it's a big – I like what you said. It's a big fishery, but it's a small fishery, just meaning there's just only so many places and to do certain types of things. To but, do certain type of fishing. Yeah. But, um, you know, you fish here. In, in the Forgotten Coast. So you really fish Port St. Joe all the way to St. Mark's. Is that yeah, yeah, all, yeah, yeah, all that area. That whole area. Mm-hmm. And then you fish Louisiana, and you pretty right. much, from my understanding, fish all of, pretty much all of Louisiana. That yeah, day. yeah. Uh, east and west side of the river. Yeah, yeah. so, um, you know, your, your experience is pretty rural, though. 
So yeah, everywhere you, I go, I'm in a rural spot. You're yeah. in a rural spot <laughs> when you're, you know, and it's funny cause like, you know, I guess when you come to East point and you're like, man, I got an IGA about 30 minutes away, you know, I can go get, you know, it's, it's, it's even, you know, more, I guess, uh, infrastructure than a lot of the places in Louisiana yeah, that, some, that, yeah. that you've, that you fish. Um, talk to me some about, you know, the pros and the cons of really rural fisheries, because I think that there's a lot of people who, man, some of the, the coolest places that I've been so far, not that I've been running around for a long time, but have been really rural and people are like, you talk to people and you mention the name of a place and they go, I've never heard of that. And you go, exactly. That's what makes that place so special. So talk to me about the pros and cons of fishing in rural fisheries. Well, I mean, you know, getting to those places can be sometimes tough you know so louisiana you know you're running you've got a couple of boat ramps that you use and then you're having to run really far mm-hmm. but you know it's i don't know the pros are is that it's rural <laughs> you know there's not as many people you know in in you know in the way um there's not as um so you you actually got especially Louisiana, you know, you can, you'll see a, a ton of locals at the boat ramp, but you still go out there and you can find a place to fish, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's just, it's a big area. And then, you know, on, over here it's rural, but, it, but we still have a lot of, um, tourists coming in, you know, mm-hmm. but, and to be honest with you, man, this place is known nowadays, you know, um, yeah. it's, but it's still laid back. Um, and I was, like I was telling you earlier, the States bought all, about all the land up around us. So we're not, we're only going to get so big here. And I, and I, and that's the way I like it. Yeah. We don't need high rises in every city in Florida. Yeah. Same thing with Louisiana, you know, so it, it just keeps it. The, the, if you can keep it low key, but yet everybody come and enjoy themselves, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that's what, what, what's the good thing about being a small town or anything like that. Yeah. And I, you were talking about the state land. I mean, where I live, so I live over by Wakulla Springs and near the St. More near the St. Mark's probably 45 minutes from your, from where you live. There's half a million acres of state land within reasonable hunting distance of me. Yeah. It's crazy, man. It's crazy. Same thing here. And you can fish and you can see all this. You can, you can go to certain shorelines and not see, a structure, yes. you know, I think that's what keeps it good. Fishing. I, I do too. Yeah. I think and you honey. Can, cause you go to certain places like mosquito lagoon, or you go to certain places that, you know, I've fish, been fishing Tampa Bay more and more over the past couple of years, some incredible guides down there, but like, it's hard to find a tree on the shoreline. It feels like, yeah, you know, because there's, there's a lot just of competition, so much, just something. Yeah. There's so much development. There's so much infrastructure. And I think that's tough. Cause I think, you know, with sometimes you were talking about how great it is that Apalachicola has developed, because it gives clients more to do, but it's developed in a, a controlled manner, I guess. Yeah, you'd say. they've done a great. I think they've done. They've done a the good best. job. Yeah, they've they've taken what it used to be when it was a river city, mm-hmm. before there were trains and planes and all that really took over. Because Apalachicola was the only way; it was a gateway to up north, so it was in Mississippi. Yeah, so they took that town and just woke it back up, but not in a a. a uh, an awful way you know it's just it's a great way they kept it small kept it low-key but yet it's packed out with people but in a, in a nice capacity i guess for yeah. me for what i see it as you know i don't even go downtown but i just think it's cool yeah you know and i'm sure your clients love it because there's so much yeah, there's man. a lot of culture there they've done a good job yeah. with that. and they can walk around and feel safe and yeah. they, and it's got a new little vibe yeah and, for the, sure. and, the, and, the, and the, every client that i've got stay there that's where i usually have them 
even though they got a, we drive to the fisheries that we launch at, they like that vibe there. Yeah. And that's a, you were talking about driving the fisheries or long boat rides. Give us some tips just on, you know, when you're fishing in places where you have longer commutes, whether it's via truck or it's via, you know, um, on the skiff or on a boat or whatever, like what are some tips on, you know, safety gear or just certain things that you've learned from fishing areas that are less developed? So, I mean, with me, I've, my, uh, just a great little piece of equipment is a spot X. Um, mm-hmm. it's a little satellite tracker. The thing's like 200 something bucks and you pay $200 a year. So, you know, you've got that when you don't have any cell phone service. That's in Louisiana. That's mainly. like, a, is that like a panic button? Like, yeah, you well, thing? it's actually, you could text with it. Oh, okay. So it's a All cool, right. yeah, it's called a spot X. I mean, and it works pretty good. I've texted my wife out in different various, you know, various places, trying it out and stuff. Cheap little item. Good to have as a guide. I mean, you know, if a client wants to have it, it's just, it's, it's cheap to me. So, you know, I mean, if you mainly having the right gear, anywhere you go, you need some rain gear. If you're going to mm-hmm. fish this Gulf coast, man, you best have some rain gear and some good glasses. I can't stand people wearing gray, gray, gray lenses. I don't know why they make sunglasses with, with gray lenses. They look cool. Yeah. <laughs> I guess they do. They're useless. Um, yeah. but you know, in tennis shoes, none of that Tiva and morels on a skiff, man. Everybody wants to act like they're going mountain climbing on a skiff. Yeah. I mean, I know that's got nothing to do with running long runs, but, you know, you got that type stuff. You, you can throw those little tips in there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm throwing those tips in there, you know. But, um, you know, long runs definitely have the right gear. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, you know, having, if you're going to Louisiana, it gets cold. If you go to Florida, it gets cold. Just because it's the Sunshine State and Sportsman's Paradise, it's, it gets cold. It was 52 the other morning yeah. in May. Yeah, so yeah. it was nippy, you know. People yeah. show up in shorts, and I'm like, buddy, you're fixing to get some. Well, you all have all, <laughs> in Louisiana, I almost got carried away by the bugs. Yeah, so people wear shorts least. in Louisiana, I never do. Yeah. It's just, it can be bugs in the middle of the winter, you know. Now, so. they some of the guides got out when I was down there. Um, some of the guides got out Victoria's Secret. It works and, great. And man. I said, hold on. I said, how do you guys explain this to your wives, though? And you come home smelling like Victoria's Secret, and you go, "It." I'm using air quotes right now. It keeps the gnats away. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, that skin's so soft, man. That's great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, no, you're, you know. You, it did work. I, yeah. I, I feel like, but I felt like when, you, when you're when you a man and you spray Victoria's Secret all over yourself, yeah, now I don't use you the feel like C. it has to. Yeah. Now you feel like it has to work, though. So yeah, like, Because yeah. it's like, you know, I feel like if you're going to spray that all over your body, you at least got to convince yourself it's working. Oh, yeah, for sure. I don't know if it was or not. <laughs> what about, so for me, I thought one of the things that was interesting with um fishing louisiana in particular uh which you do redfish over there for how many months are you over there man i'm in and out nowadays like nine months in and out i mean man. i don't spend that much time away from my family they're gonna take your east point yeah ass away from it's, you. <laughs> but i you know i want to taper back for sure but yeah I, i'm in and out for like yeah. nine months okay so one of the things that was interesting to me though from being over there is it is there's just so much water yeah so give me some tips about, I know that you shared with me a story, maybe you could share that story some too and how you've evolved, but in going into a place that is so vast and learning that water yourself. Right. So, you know, the these days, man, they've got maps and stuff to look at. And my main concern when going to any place is not to tear up my boat. <laughs> so if I can get to a place, I can pretty much think I can find a fish. Mm-hmm. So when I first went over there, that was my main thing. Um, is I, I just, you know, 
it's easier nowadays because all the GPS chips just show you how to run. But -hmm. you can still hit stuff. It's a nasty place in certain areas. Certain areas are easy to run. So I, I looked at maps and stuff that and 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 just picked spots for that day, and those are the that's where I went. Mm-hmm. And then you know, as you're running, you may see a little nook. You say, "Well, I'll go check that out." So it was just it was just starting in a spot or that I thought may would be good, and and just hopping, working that area out. Yeah, you know, not um, just running from ten miles somewhere else. Just work that whole area out, see which way the wind's blowing. See which what what fishes on the wind and stuff like that, and just kind of made a bigger circle and a bigger yeah. circle until you. Did you have an end goal like with distance? Like how much did you did you say to yourself, okay, like I want to have, I want to know everything within ten miles of here, or did you? I mean, no. How, how much I guess method was in that? Well, at first, I mean, I was just happy being in my little area. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because it was easy. There were so many fish, so I didn't. I had to expand as, mm-hmm. as pressure, as guides came and all that stuff. So you have to expand. And that's with any area, you know, that you're fishing is as it becomes known, really known, um, it's blew it's blew up over there for in the last 10 years. So you have to, mm-hmm. you have to be you know progressive and move on. So I, I didn't have any, I wanted to know as much as I could cause I was mm-hmm. just, I'm competitive. I want to know what, what I need to know on different wins and all that stuff. So but I, it just it as areas get found out, man, you've got to expand. Yeah. You'd say. Did did you use like a? Did you actually back then? Did you actually use a map and like mark, or do you have a journal, or how did you? No, I mean I just kept it all in my. I've been, uh, you know, I haven't been one of those good guides that write everything down. Mm-hmm. I've never had a journal, um, and that's kind of bad, you know, because there's a lot of cool stuff. I guess I could have wrote down, but. So I just kept it all in my head, you know, I just, you know, mm-hmm. and, and like I said, as, as, as I started going to different places, I just know what wind works for that area. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and I also had to, as you meet people and you meet them the right way and you go into the area the right way, then people start throwing you trips. Well, then I was forced, you know, Hey, I need you to fish over here. So yeah. then I had to go learn that. So, um, and that's the way what really pushed me all over the place because I was meeting different guides and they were needing help and that's how I expanded it. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. I think I, it might have been, might have been uh, with the first interview I, I ever did with Harry. I know Luke, Luke uh, Harry's son's hanging out here right now as we're recording this, but and he said you got everything that you need you need to learn an area and it's you know 18 feet long and it's right in your hand. man just, just push pole yeah you if you know? got the gas especially with these four strokes man you can cover some ground yeah and then you're gonna you know you, you spot hop and pole everything yeah that's what i did i mean when i got to an area i just that i didn't know and i mm-hmm. didn't know what i was doing when i first went over there i just didn't leave that area until i saw it all you know mm-hmm. and then i knew okay there's oyster bar there uh, slow taper to the bank there, um, and all and those fish act different and eat it in, in in all those spots and that's so if you pull that whole and I I guess that when you were talking about earlier about you know learning an area um, yourself that's the best way those guys are explaining that to you in in that way so if you learn it yourself you know everything about about the topography and the bottom and what's there, what's what makes that work. And mm-hmm. and then you go to another area and you can use that knowledge to maybe develop that area quicker. Mm-hmm. So, you know. 
for for you as somebody who you know you, you talked about your dad was you know you're you out doing floundering at night you were doing freshwater fishing and then you kind of got around these guides who were doing the deep sea for you what do you think helped you kind of i guess shape you in that early in those early years of figuring out those places for yourself like what was most influential um so over here I had friends, you know, that would help me out um, and show me things or tell me things. They didn't really show me things, but they just, you know, they they would once they once they told me something mm-hmm. about anything, you know, um, then I would take that and I'd tr- I'd use that in other areas mm-hmm. and 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 that's hel- that that's what helped me grow. You know, I didn't go into a place or or call them up and just ask them a bunch of stuff and yeah. flood them. You know, because I what the way I was wanting to do it is is do it myself. You know, mm-hmm. I was wanting to learn it. I just needed something yeah. to get me started. You were you listening, know? yeah, yeah. So I w- I would listen to these guys or and 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 watch them as I'm polling, um, fishing somewhere. Then I'd see them fishing, but then I, I'd say, okay, they sit that way or do that way. I mean, if anybody says that they learned something without seeing somebody do something in a, maybe not in that spot that you're on now, but I'm just saying you, you've learned something from somebody. Somebody taught you something. Somebody, yeah. you asked somebody a question, they gave you a, just a little bit of a nugget. Yeah. And then you went and used it. I mean, they'd be lying to you. They didn't say, yeah. you know what I mean? So everybody that's been guiding here. Yeah. Other than the pioneer guys that really had to, there's some guys here that had to grind that thing out and find that spot and they developed that spot. Yeah. Um, but, I know I'm not one of the pioneer guys. So, I mean, I'll give the cred to whoever, you know, deserves it on each spot because I kind of know who made that, who found that spot. You know, yeah. by now I do. But, you know, it's interesting because I think a lot of times there's a lot of pressure that younger anglers feel to try to act like they know what's going on. Yeah. And then they end up, it's kind of that old saying, and I've said it a bunch on the show, like that my dad used to tell me growing up, which is a full glass can't receive water. So you got to have that mentality that hey i'm not expecting i'm not going to call you and say hey hey travis where should i sit today yeah you know what i mean but at the same time like if you give me a nugget i'll take it yeah you know? and that's what you do you're just talking you're listening but maybe not asking direct questions <laughs> yeah you know um well it's cool how you know the guy you know yeah. um these guys i grew up with so i knew these guys they were my buddies so anytime mm. you know your buddy you'll be more direct with but if it's somebody I really didn't know, you know, I just kind of hung back. I didn't do it too aggressive. Yeah. I just hung back and paid attention and um, fished how I know to fish. And then as I, and then learned from there. Yeah. You know, but buddies, I grew up with all these guys that are really like the guys that know this place, like the back of their hand that were here first. I know them. So I could ask them more of a direct question. That was, yeah. you know, that was a good thing, you know, but now Louisiana, I, I figured that out on my own um with just no help you know yeah and didn't i figured if i'm going to another state i better not ask you know people get funny mm-hmm. about you coming into their territory or whatever you want to call it so i just went in there and poked around man and just figured i totally figured that out on my own you what know? so what do you feel like when somebody doesn't get, go through that experience what do they miss what's the biggest thing they well miss? if everything's given to you then you never learn i mean mm-hmm. you're, you're just so i don't think you're gonna learn any as it's just harder for you to learn if everything's given to you and you just say okay sit here sit this way sit this way sit this way um 
I mean, I guess you're lucky if somebody's going to tell you everything about something, you know. So I think yeah. if you can just get a little bit of knowledge and then gain some knowledge on your own, it's, you know, it's like cheating on a test, you know what I mean? You really don't know. You don't know what, you, you know, if you just get all the information, you you may have the information, but you don't know, still don't know what you're doing, mm-hmm. you know. So if you can learn some things on your own with just little bits of information um, and put it all together, then I think you're a better guy. I mm-hmm. think, you know, going to different places and getting there safely and then poking around in every little spot on every little tide, then you'll, you'll, you'll know how to, like I said, develop quicker in other areas. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's really helpful. I saw a Ted talk one time. It was a guy who trained people on how to pilot submarines and they were talking about, we don't tell people what to do. We train people how to think. Yeah. And over the years, you know, when you hear people say, like you were talking about Ty Hibbs, you're like, man, that's a fishy guy. Yeah. When people talk about fishy, fishy guys, like somebody can't give you a spot and you'd be a fishy guy. You have to learn how to think like a, yeah. like a fish. Yeah. And I fished with, with Ty and was really impressed with just. Yeah. He's a young guy and he, and, but he fishes. Yeah. You know, he goes all the time now, you know, and it's, I don't know how he developed those, but I just know that he knows everybody. So, you know, if you grow up in an area, um, then you're not scared to ask questions, you know, mm-hmm. but you know, like me, when I rolled up over there, I said, okay, you know, I'm a new guy in the area. I'm just gotta, I'm going to go grind this thing out yeah. and, and poke around and, not, and man, I, those guys send me trips Yeah, because I didn't go in there and say, Hey man, where do I need to go? And, and, and come off abrasive like that, or I don't know. It's just, I, that's the way I did it. I just, that's the only way I knew to do it is to go to, and, and, and even over here, because I knew how these guys were and I knew how competitive it was. It's like, I don't want to get in anybody's way. That's the mm-hmm. way I went into it is I don't want to get in their way. I want to try to stay back out of their way. And then I'll, I'll learn something from that. Yeah, that, I think that's really helpful. If it's good with you, I got a, a, some fun rapid fire questions here. Um, cool. if, you're, if you're ready, you're trying to look at the list. You're trying to peek. Man, I can't read upside down. Yeah. <laughs> East Point, baby. Yeah, no, dude, I can read, barely read. You turn that thing right side up. Um, I'm a god, man. I got to read. So, um, you know, one of the things I think that that you mentioned is, is something that I've kind of picked up on, like personally, that I haven't talked much about with on this podcast. And I love to talk to you a little bit more about is with people who who are, are guides and they fish a lot. You're trying to fight burnout. You're trying to, to fight that physical and that mental burnout, right? Because of course, you know, some guy comes and fishes with you and they've been at pent up in an office all year and they're fishing two days, three days straight with you. And they're going, man, Travis, it would be awesome to do this every day. But you know, deep down, it's tough. The grind. <laughs> yeah. Give me some, what, how, how are you, how do you try to protect yourself from, from burnout? Um, you know, I try to get as, you know, good sleep. Um, I go to the gym, try to train, you know, just to try to clear my head, get some blood flowing. Um, and then, you know, I have to tell, you got to tell yourself sometimes mentally that, it, you know, as you're kind of, you're tired, you know, the guys are missing a shot and you got to think to yourself sometimes, man, you know, this, just what you said, this, this is this guy's moment. I've been here for two months doing the same thing every day. I've got to wake up to the fact that this guy's happy and mm-hmm. he is, and I, and he's excited and, but you got to try to you know, rank, build some joy, I guess you could say, because it does, it gets miserable sometimes, you know, especially if you know it's going to be a hard day. So you got to shake yourself loose and, um, you know, put on a smile and work, 
I think that's where the FWC thing just you worked hard, either you're tired or you're excited. I work the same way. Mm-hmm. I put forth the same effort if I'm tired or if I'm not. Yeah. No, that's, I think that's super helpful. You know, it, it, it makes me think about full circle here to parenting again. Yeah. But our philosophy with our four year old going on five is when we put her down for bed, I don't care if she wants to wake up and draw, she has a little coloring table or whatever. I don't, I really don't care. She goes in her room. She's supposed to be quiet, but she knows if she stays up till 10 and she does. And some people think this is crazy, but like if she said, I don't care. But when you wake up in the morning, if you're tired, you still got to do. And I always tell her the right thing right away with the right attitude. So you just don't be grumpy. Yeah. Well, it's like, it's like if I like screamed at you and slashed your tires and threw a brick through your window and I go, well, Travis, I was angry. Oh, there's no excuse for that. Oh, oh, you were angry. That's okay. Yeah. You know, it's the same thing, like, I guess, that, that you're saying is despite, you know, how tired you are, you're still trying to yeah, I mean, that you, person. Yeah, I mean, what you're saying there is, is I mean, you, you've got to work the same way, like I said. If, and that's, if you're working as hard when you're tired as when you're, you're, you're enthusiastic, you know, you're, you're fresh, because I don't get any days off. Mm-hmm. I think that would be. I think that's a great idea. I was talking earlier, you know, about if you took some a, a day or two off every week. But to, you know, like what we're doing now in Florida, when you're tarpon fishing, it's a short season, so you got to fish every day, and you, it just really wears on your body. Mm-hmm. So you got to get sleep. You got to take care of yourself. Eat right. For me, this is what I've got to do. Yeah. And then you got to look at your people that coming on that boat fresh, and they're, you know, they're not wore out as you are, and you got to work the same. You got to work hard, and you also got to you got to be nice. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, some guys are grumpy, and that's just reality. Yeah, we all know that. <laughs> hey, well, some of them, you know, some people are not as familiar with their boat, and they might be on the phone walking down the gunnel, yeah. and they yeah. might fall in the water. You yeah, know? it happens, doesn't it? <laughs> You're the first one. I was the first one to yeah, fall you, off a trap. I christened it. So. <laughs> I'm actually pretty well known for falling off yeah. boats. <laughs> but it was the sad thing is I was commentating as you was going, but my body still didn't try to grab you, and I don't know why. It was slow motion. Because I, <laughs> you, was, you balanced for a long time, dude. You was, I, you, was <laughs> you know when you've fallen off a boat as many times as I have, and that's not because I fish so much. It's just I just have a, you know, <laughs> I just have a way, with, yeah, a way with it, with getting in the water that. Uh, Josh is laughing. I, I, I felt. But I, you were smooth. You didn't get your phone wet. I mean, it was just a control. Oh, it was as thing. cool. It's as cool as you can look falling off. Yeah, I mean, I could. Sure. I, I ended my conversation halfway in the water. I was like, all right, I'll. Yeah, I was like, I'm in the water guy. now. I was like, I'll call you later. And that guy knew me, so he was like, Yeah. Oh yeah, Hunter fell off the boat, so I'll talk to him later. <laughs> no, you know, um, you know, you were talking about for you working out. You, you had said clears your head. Talk to me a little bit about for you, your kind of, I guess, focus on physical health and. Yeah. So, you know, I was always, I guess, I, you know, I was always a skinny dude in high school, but I played a lot of sports and stuff. And then when I went to FWC, I figured, you know, I didn't want to be a, just a, a fat cop, you know? Yeah. Um, and those guys, you know, you're by yourself. So I, I started weight training then and then taking care of myself and that, I mean it just makes me feel good it's it's a habit now it's it's a part of me you know I'm not trying to like be vain and and all but um that helps me and then you know we haven't talked about as my faith you know going to church I play um in a praise and worship team with all my mm-hmm. kids so all three of them both my sons and my daughter play with me so that 
you know, that, that gives me a, a, a wake up call out on Wednesday nights and Sundays, you know, so I, you know, that helps you clear your head and praying and, you know, and doing those things and my, my, my life's complete, man, with all that. Yeah. <laughs> is it, is it hard for you though? Like you talked about, um, so obviously like when you're in Louisiana, you're, you're away from your yes. church community. Yeah. You're away from your family. You're away from, I, I don't imagine there's tons of great gyms around. I go to show. Yeah. I got me. I got me a, a one I go to. You're out there like lifting, yeah. like, uh, <laughs> like filled up crawl crab, fit, trash. crab, crab traps, traps and all that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, big old pots for boiling crop. No, I mean, you're, you're away from a lot of that. You're, yeah. you're, you're traveling a lot. And so I think a lot of things like, you know, I'm a Christian as well. So people, your faith community, your family, your daily rhythms, those are all important pieces to your life. For sure. And then you're moving around a lot and you got tarpon season, yep. you know, for you, how do you try to just keep, keep those regular rhythms in your life? You know, I just do the same thing about every day. So, and I, that was another thing in FWC, you know, when I was in the academy, man, we had to do things certain ways. And I really don't deviate out of that. Mm. Um, so when I'm out there in Louisiana, um, that's the power of a uh, beautiful thing about Facebook and live stream and all that. I get to watch the service, you know, okay. on Facebook and live stream and, and, you know, get my information, you know, that way from what's going on in my community and with my kids and my wife and all. Um, got to, you know, I got to, I'm blessed to have a family that I do, you know, my wife, you know, you got to, I say this, I got, she lets me travel and do what I do, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, it's for support of the family, but she still is, you know, raising kids, you, you know, while I'm gone, you know, and I've got very smart kids. I mean, uh, I'm blessed with yeah. their, so, you know, it, it's been a blessing for that, you know, so. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think to me as somebody who's younger, um, the lady at uh, the gas station today thought I was 34, but I'm 28. It's um, the beard. Yeah, it's the beard. That's what she said, actually. So she thought she she thought Josh was about 18. <laughs> <laughs> so jovial. No, nah, actually, she didn't. Um, but, you know, I, I think for me, like as somebody who's younger, you know, I look at guides like yourself who have, you have a family and you're still in, in your marriage and you're still in your faith community. And I think it's really admirable. I don't know that that gets, you know, celebrated enough in the fishing community where it's all about who's the most hardcore and who's willing yeah, to sacrifice yeah, the yeah, most. And, yeah. um, so I, I definitely commend you for that. I think that, that that's really uh, cool to see. Are you a, so when we interviewed Rob Fordyce, we found out that Rob likes to like wake up super early in the morning and work out. Uh, man, I commend him on that, dude. I, I got it. You're, it's a night, you're a night worker out Yeah, there. but it's harder. I think what he's doing, he's probably got his energy to go work out. You know, yeah. or me, I'm do you just do in pre-workout? Man, I used to take all them supplements and stuff. <laughs> now I just drink water, dude. Yeah. I, I mean, I just have to get pumped up on it in my I, mind, look, you know. <laughs> I drink a lot of caffeine and I've done pre-workout no, before I, and yeah. I start like itching. It'll jack you up. I've taken a lot of that stuff, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde and all this junk, you know what I mean? Now I tried some new stuff the other day. I said I'm gonna get some all organic stuff, and I I got some beets. Yeah, it's, it's beaded or whatever it's called, and <laughs> it's so know. nasty. It's like drinking dirt. But yeah. I mean, I did get through. Um, I got to test it out a little longer to see if it really works. But it's pretty bad. But no, I, I used to take some stuff, and now I'm a workout. I work out in the evenings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll have to post a link to to the um, Travis 
you know, workout plan for <laughs> yeah. fighting tarpon. Yeah. <laughs> push pull. It's just something Here's I do, man. It's just, you know, it is what it is. You're one of those guys that's got like the pulling machine, but you're doing push pull movements. You're like, oh, yeah. you know, like yeah. pre- pretending you're standing on top of the weight racks acting like I'm pulling. You know? that's, that's what, uh, you know, um, somebody was telling us that that at a uh, fish with uh, Rob Fordyce, they were like, man, when that dude decides it's t- like you're sitting idle and then he yeah, pushes he can off, move the boat, he dude. can move that boat. He that's can like, I guarantee you could just about bench press. It, so. For sure. Um, for you, you know, another thing that, that that I wanted to dive into is we've talked a lot about the pros and cons of social media, and we t- I, we don't really want to go into that because yeah, yeah. I think that's that that horse has been beat dead time and time again. For sure. But for you, you're a self-proclaimed not good at social media. That's not me saying yeah, it. Yeah, that's I'm me. not microaggressing you. No, um, no, no. I'm just not good with computers. You're not good. They're not my friend. But yet, you know, you have been blessed to have a good business talk to me about for you because you don't focus on making sure that you have your social media your website and it's no knock to that no 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 but what for you what what have you put that energy in 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 time in instead i'm just developing so so, you know i've got instagram i got facebook and i post some stuff you know i'm not like i said artistic um my deepest art artistic abilities to play the guitar and i'm not good at that so um but i still post some you know fish porn and stuff like that but um i just try to develop uh clients you know and and make friends man yeah you know and make friends with other guides and and um just if you if if you're being kind to people yeah i I think they want to fish with you more than just catch fish Mm -hmm. they kind of like to hang out do you talk to them a lot outside of like do you you text and call them a lot i do like you know i'll you know i think you know that with with my little bit of posting and stuff it just kind of keeps my clients reminded that i'm out there you know but i do i text certain clients i'm really good friends with you know Mm -hmm. and, and, and concerned about and they're concerned about me and i think if you get that type of clientele built then they're going to tell their buddies and that's how i've done it um i've met other guides and other guide outfitters that send me business and then my clients you know send it's word of mouth and that Mm -hmm. that was the old school i think of way of of getting getting it out there and so i i just i i don't have to do the social media thing you know yeah I, i mean i wish i was good at it i wish i enjoyed it because I've seen younger people than me, busier than me, because they're good at it. Um, so, I mean, I wish I did, but, man, it just does not work for me. <laughs> yeah. What's your TikTok handle? Oh, see, don't have that one. Don't yeah, have that no, one. My I'm daughter listening. does some of that stuff, but I, I guess. I yeah. Mean, see, I don't even know that. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, you know, an, another thing, you know, I wanted to make sure that, that we had a chance to, to dive into this because – um, I think it's important, you know, you, you've had this, this, uh, perspective of being a part of, um, you know, our fishery around here around the forgotten coast, but also around Louisiana. And I know that you love and care for, um, our fishery here, for sure. but you have, you have some things that, that you're concerned about with that Louisiana fishery as, as well. Would you like to just kind of share, uh, what your kind of general concerns are, what you'd like to see happen there? Yeah. So I would like to, you know, being from in a conservation side of things, coming from that background and just being a guide if you as a guide you know most guys are conservationists that's what we do i mean um even if you're uh if you want to call a meat hunter guide you know you're in a bay boat killing fish most of them are conservationists but some of them aren't um but louisiana is very popular it's a great state it's the best red fishing on the planet but it is 
taken a you know a turn for for the worst for me so you know i'm in ponds sight fishing um the bait guys are it's it's taking them a little longer to catch their their redfish with the bait but they're not fishing the way i'm fishing mm-hmm. so there's a lot of a lot of tournaments and a lot of bow fishing and all that type of stuff that takes place over there and it's taking its toll so we just need we're trying to start up a conservation type movement to get some laws changed not to squash what they're doing mm-hmm. but to just try to you know be on the side of the fish a little more yeah you know and and help help out that way yeah i was surprised you're talking about the bow fishing you know i grew up floundering out here yeah. in st mark's and i loved it as yep. a kid especially in high school that's that's what we would do after football on friday nights we'd go out in the fall yeah we'd flounder and those were my dad always made that a priority and i loved doing it um but i was surprised that you're able to um bow fish for redfish at night using yep. lights yep. we can't gig we can't gig redfish here um and you were talking about just your concern too about yeah it's a great fishery but between the increased pressure during the day and the increased pressure at night you feel like those fish can't get rest yeah they don't get rest um i don't know how many they kill i'm not against bow fishing altogether i'm just there's got to be a time that you do give it a break mm-hmm. it can't take a beating 24 hours a day mm-hmm. seven days a week so you know something you know everybody needs a break the fish need a break um and so there's there's just you know there's guiding there's tournaments and then there's bow fishing and that's it's it's constant yeah so i'm noticing in ponds and stuff that i should see little fish in little groups of fish or schools of fish that i don't see fish anymore Mm -hmm. and it's that's that's concerning you know that and it's all over the place Mm -hmm. in louisiana so it's not just one area it's all the area and they're losing land yeah. So you're losing habitat as well. So just a lot of pressure. Still great fishing. Don't get me wrong. I wouldn't be over there, but you know, it's an it can be it can be better. Yeah. Well, that's I think that's definitely something that I feel like I've never. I you know this is my so I've released uh, you know over sixty podcasts. I've interviewed over seventy people for for the show, and I've never met somebody who is not concerned. I don't think that necessarily means the sky's falling and, but yeah, you know, definitely not. Yeah. I think cause sometimes people get tired of, con- Oh, here they go talking conservation again. Oh, yeah. you know, just but that's what it. we do. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's, that's, if you're in this industry, if you're not a conservationist, man, then you're in it, you're yeah. in the wrong business. Cause you've got to protect, protect what gives you your business. Yeah. Um, <laughs> You know, so. Well, you have this interesting perspective to me, though, on that because you worked for Fish and Wildlife Commission and you worked for guiding, which I think gives gives you an interesting perspective in that. And when you're on the water a lot, and I think one of the reasons why it seems like so many guides are concerned, not all guides are, are equally as concerned, is because they see a bigger picture. And there's this thing that we were talking about earlier, the tragedy of commons, just meaning that like a lot of times people just think of themselves as individuals. Well, what does it matter if I do blank, if I do this one thing? Right. Well, yeah, if you were the only one doing it, but right. you forget that there's literally thousands of people doing it. Exactly. And when thousands of people do it, then it adds up. And I That's think right. guides have this perspective where you see how many people are on the water. You see all the different boats. You see the... Yeah, and I, and I see what they bring in. I see... Um, but I also see there's some um, laws that need to be changed to be able to maybe take a, more than one fit, you know? Yeah. So 
I'm not just I'm, I'm not shut down to taking of anything. Um, that's within hunting or fishing or whatever. I think guides see more than scientists, more than krill counts. Because you know I talked to other biologists over there, and they's like the krill count's good. I'm like, but you're not seeing what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. I've seen it for 13 years. I've been over there. How easy it was to fish. So. I think, um, but then you get over here and you can, I mean, we can chase this rabbit tail snapper everywhere. Well, we might need to change the snapper limits to go up. So there's, you know, yeah. you know, sometimes it's just, you know, you got to listen to people and, and, and be smart about it. And don't be so closed minded because I may not know anything about snapper. There yeah. may not be a problem. Maybe a problem. You know what I'm saying? I'm just saying yeah. snapper in general. Or red snapper. Do you yeah. need to go up? Yes. Yeah. Right. That's well, at least in this area. And that's the thing that we were talking about where, you know, it's it's not like you can just, you have to constantly be evaluating. You have to be, you have to treat different fisheries different. And I met, I met a guy here who I was with, with my family at the pool and he, uh, and he said he went out with a guide and he said he caught one snap, red snapper. I said, How'd, it, I'm not trying to. They went in the river. How did you catch <laughs> one red snapper? Because usually pool. if you catch one, you catch a hundred. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if yeah. you. You know, it's um, all about spots, and that's the thing. When I was yeah. with FWC, when they were bringing up snapper stuff, and you used to keep four when I started, you know, there was di- I had a different attitude. I'm like, you know, if it's a public number, then it's overfished. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to go out with some guides. Yeah, you got to go out with some people that know more yeah. than just going to that one reef. You yeah, know, we so. went to the most popular reef in the area. And yeah, there weren't that many red snappers, so that therefore. In the entire ocean, there's not that many reds. Right. Yeah, yeah, so I, I believe in good science, but I also believe in, um, but I believe in guides. I believe in fishermen, uh, the public, to learn how to change mm-hmm. when time is needed. Instead of waiting too late and then complaining once it's all gone. Yeah. Not that, like we said, where the sky's not falling here, but it could be one day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, how about, you know, curve... Curve it before it does. Yeah, know. and why not make it better? Have some vision. Yeah, have yeah. some fun. Don't be so serious to where you think you've got to, you know, have some fun. I, 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 that's what I would say about guiding. I'd say that about fishing in general is don't take everything. That's the whole point is not to be so serious. You can yeah. be serious at work, man. Just have some fun, dude. Yeah, and we're learning a lot about, uh, like, from a, a big-picture conservation standpoint, we're learning a lot about what actually does have the biggest, to use the buzzword, footprint, is interesting. Like I saw something um, the other day. Google Earth was showing different things that are um, destroying the rainforest around the world, and I was surprised that one of the areas was soybean farms. And it's now, amazing. Yeah, you right? think you're doing you're, something. You think good. you're doing something good, and yeah. you're destroying a rainforest with your and soybean it, milkshakes. Hey, there you go <laughs> for all the tree huggers, man. But, you're killing. You know, it. And I think that's the thing that you know. I mean, you know, my father. You know, where you know there, there's a sense where hey, I had this snapper, I had this fish in my hand. And I can go home and I could eat that. But now I'm going to burn the gas. I'm going to, you know, stress the fish. I'm going to do all this stuff. And then I'm going to release the fish. And then I'm going to go back and have my soybean milkshake. Exactly. And <laughs> save the planet. And then actually have double the impact that I would when I had it. So I think that's, I, th- I, I think that's the, the nuance, I guess, with it. Yeah. I, I, I think we just need to... And this is with anything, just to be smart about things. And, uh, you know, some of it's just common sense. You know, like you you brought up the fish. You know, I bring this fish up from 70 feet. His stomach's coming out. I can pop his, whatever they tell you to do to deflate it and yeah. send him on his way. But if somebody, you know, deflates my stomach, then I don't yeah. know how good yeah. I'm going to be doing. So I, th- I just think we ought to be smart about it. And 
I don't know the proper way, what mm. the best way is, but that's the whole point of getting some good heads together and from different walks of life. And you may come up with the best ideas. That's the whole point of it is just to try to figure out what to do best, but not a knee jerk mm. reaction, you know? And I think that's like, I guess the, the, the thing that I was getting at too, where I think people get tired of conservation because they think these guys only care about recreation and they don't care about feeding families and they don't. And that's not, I don't think that's a fair characterization no. the same way that I think that just cause somebody disagrees with the limit. And I, I think the conversation, you know, is needed from the guides to the biologists to yeah. you know, fill in the blank. Yeah. I'm, and I know we're never all going to get along there, but you know, you can, a happy medium sometimes works. Yep. For <laughs> get sure. Something done. <laughs> For sure. My, my last question, I always like asking asking guys this question because I, I think it kind of forces you to pause and maybe think about something you haven't thought about in a while. But if you could go back to yourself when you were a kid and you're out with your dad and, and, and you're floundering and before you go into FWC and before you go into guiding and you could give yourself some advice in general in life, what, what would the what would that piece of advice be? I'd say slow down, man. Don't don't pass life by, you know, just, yeah. you know, just try to remember and everything that's going on because those are precious times man you know so i had a lot of fun when i was a kid and i think that's the you know when people see things changing they're scared you know so i i I would say slow down and 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 you know don't outrun life man you know we gotta every day you should wake up like when you're talking about you know with your daughter and man you're awake dude you know, be happy, be excited. Um, mm. something, something new could happen that day. So as a kid, I would say, slow it down, you know, cause you're always trying to strive to be older mm. and now I'm older and you know, you're like, man, I could have done this, this and this. Yeah. You know, <laughs> then you get older and you start to strive to be young. Again. That's what I'm saying. You know, yeah. so, you know, you're trying, trying to slow it down. Now I'm yeah. trying to slow down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you just explained midlife crisis. Yeah. 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 I don't, that luckily I'm the most profound thing. Yeah. I haven't hit, hit that. When you're all. old, then you start trying to be young again. You, yeah. No, no, no. I think, I think that's, I think that's really helpful, man. I really just didn't enjoy the time that, that we got to spend together. And I enjoy getting the Chris in your boat with being the first person to fall in. You first got that one. big cage on the front. So there, I might be the last, you know, yeah. might not well, be you were many. walking the line, you were walking the gunnels. Man. I was doing something semi-athletic, Yeah, you know. but no, I really appreciate it, man. Thanks no, so man, much. I appreciate for, it. Thanks again for listening to The Captain's Collective. Please help us out by leaving a review on iTunes and sharing this podcast. We hope that you enjoy. This is The Captain's Collective.